0: At the beginning of the job interview process, you're just a piece of paper. Another resume submitted for the gig. You get piled up with the other papers and before you even know it, you've been placed into one of two piles, the no's or the yeses. This is the show all about getting you into the yes pile. Hey, welcome to the yes pile, the show that helps you transform your professional persona to land you where else? in the yes pile of candidates for your dream job. I'm your host, Tessa Wolf. I'm a recovering corporate manager turned career coach. I've coached hundreds of professionals in my career and I've interviewed thousands more. And now I'm here to help you navigate this brave new world and to provide you with simple and actionable advice for success at any stage of your career. My goal, help you land your perfect job and then kick ass at it. So whether you're putting off drafting that resume, actively on the job hunt, navigating hurdles in your current role, or considering a complete career switch, I'm here to share my best tips and tricks to position you for success. Okay, today we are talking about work. Culture and how you can help shape it so that your office is a place you actually want to work at and your company is a place you are excited to work for. Now, a lot of people may be listening right now and asking, What is work culture? And when I say that phrase, I am talking about the collective energy, attitude, and tone, the personality and values of your workplace. And culture is not something created by one. It's not something that the boss does that makes everybody happy. It's truly cultivated by the masses over time. And it's unique to where you work because it is truly shaped by all of the unique voices, beliefs, values, and ambitions of the people you work with. And that's why paying attention to culture at work is so important. It is truly a reflection of the organizational energy and beliefs. So look, when it's good, people feel good and the work is great. But when the culture is bad, people don't last long and the work isn't where it should be. So today, we're gonna talk about why culture actually matters and why you should care about it, regardless if you're a manager, a boss, or a brand new employee. And then we're really gonna focus on how you can actively work to help shape the culture you crave in your workplace. And I do fancy myself a true cultural change maker and you know why? It is because I have learned over time the areas where I can use my voice, my experience and my passions to make positive change at work. And I'm gonna share that with you today. So let's talk about why, the why with culture. Why do we even care about culture? Can't I just show up, work, say hello and go on? And yes, the answer is, of course you can. If that's what works for you, that's great. But for so many of us, myself included, that's just not enough anymore. We spend one-third of our lives at work. For some of us, it's even more than that. So the reality is, we want to be happy at work. We need to feel seen and heard. We want to engage And we want our workplace to stand for something more than the work. And we wanna feel a part of something bigger, bigger than ourselves, bigger than just our job. So listen, the majority of today's workforce, especially millennials, which by the way, are predicted to make up 75% of the labor force in the next four years. Yeah, so the majority of today's workforce wants a workplace that is engaged in more than just work. And what I mean by that is they are craving connection, meaning, growth, opportunity, and education. And honestly, I think that makes a ton of sense. We're no longer okay with just punching in, getting the job done, and punching out. We, of course, want to do our jobs and do them well, but we want more from our workplace. Study after study has shown us that when you work in a place where you're given the opportunity to engage with coworkers and management in a non-work-focused way, and if you're in a place that fosters meaningful dialogue between all of us and gives you experience and educational growth opportunities, you are likely to be more happy, more productive, and more fulfilled in your job. And guess what that means? you're also more likely to stick around and to be more productive in your working hours. So if you're a manager or a member of a leadership team or even an entrepreneur just starting out and you are hearing this for the first time, this should really be resonating with you. You want happy, fulfilled, productive employees, employees that get their work done, employees that will stay with you And it's been shown that companies with great culture also outperform their competitors. So I'm going to venture as far as to say that having a killer work culture is as important as having a killer business strategy because it brings your values to life in a way that no plan on a page, no town hall or all hands meeting can do. It helps keep employees engaged and satisfied. It attracts key talent. People out there today are evaluating your organization and its climate with as much rigor as you're evaluating their resume. Think about that. So to you both, the company manager and the employee wanting to find a place of work that feels like it means something, like you belong there, know that culture is king this single factor can make or break your experience now you might be hearing this and be like okay I'm in culture what do we do (laughs) and culture isn't a switch we can just turn on unfortunately it's not something you just add to the mix tomorrow that's a mistake a lot of companies make right they might have a happy hour introduce some sort of gimmicky award you do every week and while those are super fun That in and of itself is not culture. Culture is a real living and breathing entity within an organization that's comprised of many parts. The first one is the people, the everyday behaviors of the diverse collective of people and how they engage and interact with one another. The second part of culture is the management. How the leadership implements process, structure, goals, and how they build a foundational organization that supports employees. The third factor in your culture is policy. How a company handles things like dress code, scheduling, conduct, and beyond. How they create, implement, and inform policy. The fourth one is the practice. How a company onboards and trains new employees, how they reward and recognize achievement, and how they promote and actively support the growth of their employees. The fifth one is the place where you go to work every day, the office environment, how it looks, how it feels, the cues from the artwork, the furniture, The music, the energy, the place is a major catalyst in defining your company culture. And the sixth one, your value system, but more importantly, the clarity and stability of your company's mission and values and the authentic and consistent commitment to them. And our last piece of the cultural puzzle and arguably the most important, at least in my opinion, the communication, the frequency, degree, approach, and tone between leaders and employees, and employees with each other. Do we have open, honest, transparent, available streams of communication? That alone can make or break your organization. So when you think about these elements, the communication, the values, the place, the practices, the policies, the management, and the people, They all are interacting every day and every piece of that puzzle is giving into another and taking from another to form your living and breathing company culture. So the thing to think about is while culture is formed by all of these things, we need to recognize the areas where we as employees can actively support and nurture and grow culture. So listen, if you're a CEO or a manager or an entrepreneur who's really starting out with your planning, know that a great CEO, a great leader, is working against all seven of these daily. That doesn't mean they've perfected them, but they're aware, they're taking stock, they're taking inventory, and they're actively working against them daily. But again, a great boss can't shape culture alone. So while that's on the boss's priority list, us as employees need to understand We have a responsibility to cultivating and protecting the culture we want as well. And the thing to remember if you're an employee going, I don't know how I could really affect culture, is that meaningful change doesn't always have to start at the top. In fact, a lot of times the most meaningful of changes starts at the ground level. So if you are seeing an opportunity for evolution or improvement to your company culture, know that as an employee, you have an ability, I'm going to actually say responsibility to make firsthand changes to impact your company's culture in a variety of ways. And you also have the ability to shape and influence the change in a variety of others, things that you don't directly control, but you can have a voice in. So when you want to talk about what you can directly do, where you can start today, there really are two big areas where every employee has the ability to make a huge impact. If you're in a workplace where you want to improve or amplify culture, focus your efforts and energy around modeling amazing communications and driving peer engagement. So you may not be able to make a change to a process or a policy that's been put in place at least not today, but you can surely influence and impact how we talk to one another and how we come together at work. So let's talk about communication. I believe how we communicate to one another and our managers is one of the most important things that we could focus on. The clarity, the directiveness, the tone. These can be some of the most defining aspects of a company's culture. And you, my friend, you do have the ability to directly shape and impact that. To cultivate the culture and the type of communication you want at work, you need to demonstrate it. Think about what you wish communications looked like at work and then put that into action. Model the behavior you want to see teach it to your team, train your direct reports, lead by example, and model it for your peers. And have direct conversations. Talk to your peers in your direct reports in the way you want everyone to talk to one another and proactively say, here's how I think we should frame this discussion. Here's how I think we should address this particular communication so that you're creating a framework and it really becomes a process. Okay, when we have a difficult conversation to navigate or we have to give feedback that's not easy, here's how we're going to do it. Talk to your peers the way you want everybody to talk to one another, even in the tense moments. How, especially in the tense moments. Demonstrate empathy, thoughtfulness, direct and clear messaging be kind be focused be smart always recap the action you want others to take and follow up when you follow up with people thank them for their time thank them for their energy and their effort give direction with confidence and tie it back to a greater goal a value or a mission to give contextual understanding as to why that's the direction we're after find space and a proper platform for people to come to you make yourself available to others the way you wish leadership could be available to you and for team members give them the space and the comfortability to be able to speak up or ask questions. Make sure your meetings aren't one-sided. Make sure your conversations aren't one-sided. If nobody is speaking up, ask them, do you have any questions? Do you feel good about what we need to do now? Does anybody want to add anything? Create an environment where everybody feels seen and heard. You can foster the type of energy and communication practices you want at your place of work. A place of fairness, equity, and transparency in a place of appreciation and productivity. And honestly, behavior like this, like what we're talking about today, just simple shifts in our communication and commitments to the way we communicate. These start with a groundswell. You can start today and connect with your peers and other folks at your level in a month, right? Share the learnings about what you've learned, what's working, what people actually respond to maybe things they don't. Simple tips you think everyone could employ to foster more meaningful conversation at work and better direction for your team. And honestly, this really does work. I think you've all heard by now how I feel about negativity, negativity in your life, negativity at the workspace. Negative speak, negative words, negative attitudes, they're contagious and infectious. They fill up a room and latch on to everyone inside of it. So we need to consciously practice choosing positivity over negativity in order to be our best, happiest, most productive selves, of course. But that same theory of attraction really applies here with intentional communications and starting it today in your network. Practicing what you feel is an ideal communication standard will influence and impact those around you in your immediate circle. And when people see you confident and when people feel heard and appreciated, and when people know where they stand with you and what to do next because you've delivered it with clarity, confirmation, and confidence, they're gonna feel empowered to do the same. They're gonna mirror that behavior in their own immediate circle of influence, and they're gonna do the same for others. It will spread. It will spread in the best way. And not only is this going to empower people, it's going to build confidence, it's gonna strengthen relationships, and it's gonna drive productivity. So I will say that if you can really focus on the positive and decide every day to be intentional in your thoughtfulness, clarity, uh, directiveness, and authenticity in your communications with your immediate circle of influence and your peers. You also need to wake up and make the conscious decision every day to be a little bit of a firefighter, a little bit of a problem solver when it comes to communication in your organization. So if you're seeing a gossip problem, and this is very common in office environments, Or let's say you're seeing a group of people, a contingency that they just love to complain. Allow yourself to feel permission to call people out. And I don't mean finger pointing in a public forum to make them look bad or feel terrible. But if you have the relationship, give yourself permission to say, hey, I hear you, that stinks, but what are you gonna do to solve the problem? Give your peer the challenge of making change. Invite them to own the solution. You know, don't leave room at the table for bad behavior, especially from the people you know could do better and are better. Invite them to join you in finding solutions. Make yourself an ally in finding solutions. Help people find their voice to ask for change. Work to actively foster a place where people feel safe, seen, and heard, but do not Let people wallow in negativity, gossip and complaints around you. Let them know that you don't stand for that anymore, that you are inspired to make a difference, make a change, and you know how to do it. And if they want to come along for the ride, you're in. And I will say, if you have a great idea or a practice that's proven successful as you're working to influence your immediate team, your peers and your circle of influence at work, share that with your manager. If stuff is working for you and clicking and you're seeing change and productiveness growing and growing with your team, share it with your manager. Lead that conversation with the impact you're seeing and how you've seen it shape attitudes and behaviors and suggest a wider adoption of whatever the practice is or just share what you've learned. You never know, your boss could take this on and implement it for a broader team and even if they don't. Seeing you proactively work to model and demonstrate leaderly communications and behavior will not go unseen. Now, another area I think is really important and one that we all own as employees is to be a driver of that peer-to-peer engagement. And what I mean by that is be a cultivator of connection. Go out of your way to tell a peer, hey, great job or nice work when you've seen them and they've accomplished something. You can do that when they've already been recognized, or maybe you saw them working really hard on a project, nobody said anything to them. Even if you don't know the details, even if they're not on your team, let them know you're seeing them. And don't be afraid to tell their boss. Don't be afraid to give your peers praise and tout all the time, anytime, to anyone who will listen. And along those lines, I encourage people, as you think about the idea of being a cultivator of connection, to mix it up with who you socialize with at work. I know it is easy to get sucked into work clicks, or maybe you're just a little shy and you only connect with one or two folks at the office. I'm going to tell you, while that's okay, actively take on the task or the goal of saying hello to someone you don't know. Ask somebody who you regularly don't talk to, hey, how was your weekend? Hey, what are you working on? How are your projects going? Check in with the people who you don't know every day and beyond that, if you can, check in with the people who often get overlooked or the people that are not part of the inner circle or the cool kids at work. Create moments and space and place to connect with those people because everybody is on the same team. And if you're somebody who this connective energy comes naturally to, become a catalyst for it. Work to actually formalize spaces for your peers to connect at. So set up an after work happy hour, start a book club, or maybe kick off a fitness challenge at work or start a running group. Invite other people to meet one another and connect around shared interests and values. Right? Invite them to your art show or to see your band perform, whatever it is. The key to just create a moment, create an invitation where people can gather around something outside of our day-to-day tasks, outside of our skill set, where we can connect and share as human beings. Because when we know each other, when we have that bond outside of sharing tasks and responsibilities, we truly begin to feel that we can count on one another. And we're a little bit more patient with the process and a little bit more forgiving when stuff's not perfect. But beyond that, we're a little more committed to doing work for one another and leaning in to help one another. It's true that teams that have a bond and a connection are much higher performing and happier at work. So be the person that drives and fosters that team connection. And that goes with activities, meetings, and moments that the bosses are setting up too. Not just things you set up. If your boss or your manager is offering up something like a lunch and learn or a speaker is coming in, show up for it. people. Show up, encourage your peers to do so too. Even if you think it's cheesy, or you don't really know if it's gonna be valuable to you and you hate to give up an hour, show up. Show your company that these types of events and engagements provide value and are seen. And get your colleagues to go too and send a thank you note to the organizer afterwards. Trust me, if you do this, it will make a big impact. Doing this demonstrates to your organization that the idea of this is great Even if you don't love the content, you're telling them that we love to learn more. We love to have guest speakers. We love the idea of this. So driving engagement around these types of moments means that there's room for future growth here, where you can maybe suggest a future speaker or topic or activity. You can maybe help shape the content that people actually wanna hear, they wanna learn about, they wanna see. If you just don't attend these events or you ignore the invites, eventually these are gonna go away because your organization's gonna think that, oh, we have low engagement. They don't want this. They don't need it. So when a boss creates a group or an outing or a moment at work that's really intended to drive engagement, show up. Show up. And then give them kind and thoughtful feedback and appreciation. And similarly, if you see an opportunity for creating a more formal collective at work or an organization or even an event around shared key values, do it. Think about things like starting a diversity and equity group. Put together a plan on paper. Take it to your manager. Tell them what the group will do for the greater team. Plan out how the group's going to meet the value they're going to lend to the organization, and how they're going to provide support to your peers. And when you arrive with a clear plan plan and a point of view, and when you show your boss that you care that much about your fellow employees and the company, it's going to be a win. And you very well may be bringing something forward your boss has been thinking about for a while, but hasn't made the time to address yet. Go for it. Ask for what you think the culture needs and be willing to raise your hand to build it. Don't just bring an idea forward. Be someone who is willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work to champion the vision and the values you desire. And one of the other very important things you can do to help cultivate the culture you want is to be a protector of it call out bad behavior. And what I mean by that is if you see something really toxic happening, or if you see someone being compromised, or if you witness an unfair or unjust practice, do not be afraid to call it out. Be someone who really owns and embodies the company value and mission. And listen, when I say call people out, that doesn't always mean that you have to confront people right there and in the moment. You can go to your manager. You can problem solve on the back end and come up with a solution and present it to people. Or if it's something really serious, go to your HR team. But do it, act on it, and be timely, clear, and direct about what you saw and how it goes against the company values and missions. And with that, I will say I want you all to commit to being actively engaged in ensuring that your workplace is not one that tolerates things like sexism, ageism, ableism, racism, or unfair behavior. Honestly, owning that, taking stock in that, and being actively on the lookout for that is an integral part of cultivating a good and decent workplace culture. Something I do every episode is take a real life question from you guys and answer it. And this week's question actually came to me from a friend who reached out because she's been going through a ton of job interviews and getting no offers. And she's really confused about what's going on. So she said to me, what's the right way to follow up after an interview? And she contextualized it with, she's sending an email the day of her interview and then she's never hearing back. So these employers are ghosting her and she is literally left kind of speechless and wondering what she's doing wrong. And I thought this was a great question and I know a lot of you are up against this. So what I want to do is actually take us back and say in order to help avoid the ghosting after an interview, I want you to start by being really purposeful with how you're closing the interview itself. So ask the interviewer if they have any concerns or reservations about your qualifications, or if you can provide them with any additional details, references, or even work examples to help them better evaluate you. And as you're closing, ask what next steps look like and the timeline for when you will hear back. Doing those two things at the tail end of an interview creates a bridge that they must cross. They have to meet you there. There's an implied commitment to being candid with you as to whether or not you're an actual candidate in the running for the job, but two, they're giving you a timeline for a response of some kind. So then, once you've asked those questions and closed out what I'm assuming is a killer interview, the same day, I want you to send a thank you note to the person you interviewed with or people you interviewed with via email and send it to the individuals. Do not send one big group email if you spoke with maybe three folks, even if they did a group interview with you send an individual thank you note if you didn't get their contact or it wasn't a face-to-face interview and you don't have a card ask your central contact at the organization to give you the email address for the right person and then pass along a note of thanks directly to them now there are some instances where you're working with a recruiter or an organization is not giving up email addresses and that's okay don't give up on the thank you note pass along a note of thanks to your central contact and ask them to share it on your behalf. And when you do write that thank you guys, we've talked about this before, but I want you to be really thoughtful. The recipe here is to personalize it, recall a detail from your conversation, something specific you talked about, thank them for the time and opportunity, and then reiterate your top selling point that came through in your conversation with them. Or if it makes sense, reiterate your top three selling points. An example would be, You know, I really enjoyed our conversation about X. And as a reminder, the things I'm going to do for you better than any other candidate are, and then give them three things, put it in bullet points, be direct, be bold, be confident. Tell them why you're the best candidate for the job. And if they've given you a timeline for hearing back and that time has come and gone by a few days, like give everybody a little grace, don't be shy about sending up a follow-up email to check in on the progress or to get a timing update. Again. This is a live process and things don't always go according to plan. So be gentle, but just express your continued interest and enthusiasm for the role and be appreciative of the hiring process. We know it's one that can't be rushed, but just ask for an update. Now if they didn't give you a timeline or the person you spoke with just didn't know, you know, if it's been a week from your interview date, it's okay to go ahead and follow up. I tell everybody, Give them a week, (laughs) give them a week to finish some of these face to face interviews and maybe just collect their thoughts and then send a follow up inquiring about timing for a decision either way. Am I in or am I out and offer to provide them any details or additional work examples or references that they may need in order to help them make that decision regarding you. And I will say if you're in one of those situations where the process is just dragging, which so many people are experiencing these days, Continue to follow up. Don't just follow up a week later and let it die. Follow up once a week. Short, kind, thoughtful notes, continually expressing interest is the way to go. It is up to the organization to cut you loose. If you are not a top contender, if you are not in the running, let's hope that they do the right thing and let you know so that you can continue to pursue other opportunities. And I'm also gonna say to you, and I say this having sat on both sides of this table, If you are caught in a situation where you're not getting clear responses or responses at all, you're not getting clear timelines, and it's been a month or longer, really think about if that's an organization where you wanna be right now. And I will say, regardless of the timeline, please, 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 no matter what, no matter how good you think that interview went, Continue to look at opportunities and take other interviews during the waiting period. The worst thing you can do is take yourself off the market while you wait, because if that offer does not come in, you could be weeks behind. You could have lost out to some great opportunities you were well-suited for because you weren't paying attention. So follow up consistently and kindly, and then keep on the lookout for other opportunities while you wait. If you have a work question for me or an idea for a future broadcast, hit me up. The show is designed for you, so please let me know what I can do to help. You can always email me directly. My email address is connect at or you can message me on Instagram at the YesPile podcast. Now, next week, we're going to be uh, delaying by one day. We're coming out with a new show on Tuesday, July 6th. We're giving everyone an extra day off for the 4th 4th of July holiday weekend. I hope you get some extra time too. But when we return on the 6th, we are going to tackle the new job survival guide. It's everything you need to know, not just to survive, but thrive at your brand new job. So if you're one of the half a million people that started a new job in the last month, this is the show for you. Before we go, if today was at all helpful for you and you learned something from the work we did together, please do me a favor and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling extra inspired and generous, please give us a rating and review. For more career advice, inspiration, and fun, follow us on Instagram at the Yes Pile Podcast. Until next time, cheers, everyone.